1: Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.
0: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Sean Moran of Sean Mo Hoops. Uh, It's been a while since we talked, Sean. There's been quite a bit of recruiting news that came out. There's been some shifting in the recruiting rankings. And so I wanted to start there because earlier in the week, 247 Sports released their final top 100, and there was some pretty good movement for UNC's top two commits, Nasir Little and Kobe White. Where do they end up actually finishing at in those rankings?
1: Yeah, so Nazir Little finished at number 2 in the rankings, uh which UNC hasn't had a, a player that high since, you know, Harrison Barnes, but that was uh, you know somewhat of a surprise him making that leap. They had him I believe around number 8 earlier uh in their in the season. And then uh Kobe White ended up finishing at at number 23, which I think uh he stayed, you know, right around where he was at originally. And then you had uh, leaky Black, who was at number 76. But I think the big news was the jump that Little made, in large part due to his play uh, at the McDonald's game and then the Jordan Brand Classic. And even though he wasn't invited to the Nike Hoop Summit, uh, still made quite the impression on both 24-7. And I think Rivals also had him at number two, while ESPN had him at number six in their final rankings.
0: And obviously Carolina fans are thrilled with that news because, like you said, this is the highest rated recruit that they've had since Harrison Barnes. To me, it looked like Nas has really evolved his game over this last year. And I think that probably spurned a lot of the of the movement there to put him at number two ahead of some of the bigger names, like, you know, Zion Williamson, who there for a while was generally believed to be the best player. Now, I think that RJ Barrett is kind of taking over that spot. But what do you think it really was that really elevated Nas? Was it just, you know, the fact that he's showing a lot more than what he did this time last year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we we touched on a little bit after the McDonald's game because he had a pretty good performance uh, in the practices, which Rob Harrington reported on and then was obviously the MVP of the game. And then he went to Jordan brand and really did the same thing of playing extremely well in the game. And by all accounts in the practices brought out his energy and, and did very well. And uh, I think there was even a story from Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN draft express kind of reporting on a one-on-one matchup that uh, Naz and Karen Reddish ended up playing uh, during one of the practices or maybe after practice. And really Naz just took it to cam and kind of bullied him uh, throughout the, throughout the one-on-one. So, you know, I, I think, it's definitely been a lot of improvement uh, throughout the course of the year. And one thing we mentioned last time was really his the increase in his fluidity of kind of being from a straight line driver to you saw him in the McDonald's game hitting you know basically threes off the dribble, uh, looking to drive uh, step back jumpers. So really adding a very versatile um, you know being becoming a very versatile offensive threat. Uh, I think really, you know, propelled him up the rankings just to go along with his size, strength and athleticism that has always been there. So I know he played really well um, in March and into April. And while I wasn't up at Hoop Summit this year, I think he would have been uh, definitely a much needed addition to that team. Uh, You know, one for competitive reasons, they lost to the international team for the second time in four years. And then also, really, the practices, which pretty much all the you know the NBA GMs and NBA scouts uh, go to the practices, and they're allowed to only watch one of the U.S. ones. And I think they came away fairly disappointed with the overall energy level and,
0: and skill level.
1: And I think NAS could have definitely uh, helped that out a little bit.
0: And for those who are looking to get more information on that Hoop Summit, even though Carolina did not have a commit in that game, you know, just in case anyone was willing to, to listen to it. I think you did a podcast on that with Michael Weisenberg, is it, Yeah, guy, uh,
1: Michael Weisenberg, who writes for Draft.net. And I've been going, I went three years in a row, so I didn't make it this year, but uh, Mike Michael lives in Portland and he made it to pretty much all the international and uh, U.S. practices. And for a usually very jubilant guy, was pretty depressed just having to talk about uh, really, the practices and the game itself, just due to, uh, I'd say, the poor makeup of the the U.S. team. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot. Obviously, there's injuries. So some players, some of the top level players sat out like a Zion. Uh, but there's also just a poor makeup um, and really bringing in kids such as maybe Tyler Hero or David McCormick from Kansas that uh, in reality shouldn't have been on the team. But. You know, due to Coach Cal's influence on USA Basketball, coaching the u 19 team last year, and, and then Bill Self, even though he's not a Nike guy, he's coaching the U18 team this year, and he got two of his players on the team. So I think there's definitely uh, they definitely need some improvement on the selection process, but it also goes to what a lot of people have been saying about the 2018 class overall, is that it's just not as strong as you know a lot of a lot of previous classes have been, and it's kind of been hidden a little bit from a lot of Zion's athletic exploits. But, you know, you look at the rankings and, you know, Naz is at number two, but EJ Montgomery is at number six. And he's had his ups and downs in in his career. And you could kind of go through that top 20 and nobody really, really jumps off the page to you. But uh, I I think actually there's some players in the, in the twenties, such as Kobe White or, or Brandon Williams, or even Louis King and Javon Quinterly that, Will prove out to be better than some of the higher ranked players, but overall, I just think it goes to a lack of overall overall talent in the class, and that was a big reason for you know maybe kind of the disappointing hoop summit of this year.
0: Von Quinterly is a name that I'm really going to look out for when he gets to college, especially in that Villanova offense. He's always impressed me, but to turn this back to the UNC guys, just how how surprised were you though, Sean, that Nas was put all the way up to number two and then follow up because we brought up his name a couple of times. How surprised were you that Zion fell all the way to number seven?
1: Yeah, I I'd say I was surprised that even though I'd heard great things about how Naz was doing and, and he played very well in the all-star games, I was so surprised he actually, you know, went up that high. You know, I it's interesting to always look at the changes in the rankings uh, from you know, say the mid-senior mid, mid senior year to that final ranking. And obviously the people doing them, uh, this is the rankings that people will uh, year after year to see what a player was ranked. So, they you know, they want to give their best effort to make sure that it when people are looking back, it can be reflective of what they think a player's talents will be. But at the same time, it also leads to, I'd say a little bit of a quick trigger finger. Um, I think we just have to go back a few years for that, and even though Scal Labassieri was was still rated, you know, very high going into that All Star period, uh, it was really a few practices at the Hoop Summit that caused, at the time, Draft Express and then pretty much all of the major recruiting sites to put him at number one ahead of Ben Simmons, and which in reality, maybe they should have kind of taken a step back and not got lost in the moment. So that's, you know, that's one thing just to kind of keep in mind is it can be prone to a, a quick trigger finger. Um, and in the, in the term of Scal, he had, uh, you know, his jump shot was a, a thing of beauty at the hoop summit. And just seeing a six eight guy, you know, elevate and, and shoot a jumper like that caused a lot of people to project him as the number one pick in the draft while, you know, forgetting that Ben Simmons was a 6'10 guy that could handle the ball and was the best passer in the class. So I, I was surprised at Naz, but and I'm I'm definitely happy to to see him get up there and, and see a UNC guy that high, but you know also you know realistic in that it, it could have been also the cause of just people trying to project you know a little bit down the road to to where he might end up might be in, uh, in
0: a few years. And what about Zion dropping down to seven? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I definitely surprised at that. I think it realistically, it's probably taken a little longer for him to get down to that point. Uh, you know, we see all his, his ESPN and, and YouTube highlights and, you know, he's, he's an absolute freak vertically and, and explosively. And when he does look to attack the rim, there's not much really any defender can do, but there are a lot of glaring weaknesses in his game. You know, he's only, I'd say, six 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 seven, uh, which I guess in today's NBA is, is not the worst thing. Just like at Draymond Green, but yeah. Shooting wise and dribbling wise and weight wise, there's a lot of I'd say uh, factors that, when trying to project, you know, not just next year when he's at Duke, but when he's in the NBA in two years, that might you know limit his upside overall.
0: And then let's uh, talk about the other two Carolina commits with Kobe White and then Leaky Black. As you mentioned at the very beginning, Kobe ended up at 23, and then Black ended up at 76. Uh, starting with Leaky. I know he was never really in contention to be you know, a top 50 guy. He was hovering there maybe a little bit closer to that range, I uh, think, you know, at one point. But at 76, a lot of Carolina fans may be, I think, sleeping on him a little bit because he really does have a diverse skill set. And you know, he could actually prove to be a much better player than that 76 number ranking goes.
1: Yeah, I, I think he'll definitely outplay that over his his career for sure. Uh, you know, I think coming in at seventy six, there's no real expectations on him coming in and starting or you know really being a huge contributor, which I think uh, will be will be good for him of not having that that weight like maybe a Naz or a, a Kobe will. But at the same time, he was the first one in the class to commit. He committed at a, at a time where. You know, UNC was dealing with a lot of distractions. So to have him be that first commit, I think was a, a real big thing for that, the 2018 class. Um, and he has a very interesting skill set just given his height, uh, his ability to handle the ball, play a few positions on defense. You know, we know he's not going to be the alpha dog go to score, but every team needs kind of a facilitator and somebody that, you know, kind of like Theo this year, you know, maybe you're getting. Uh, eight rebounds and six assists, and you know six to eight points. So I think he can definitely turn into that down the road. And you know, one other thing on him, I think will be helpful is is the fact that he did, he did spend his junior year at at Mount Verde and kind of really getting challenged and pushed in a very I'd say uh, difficult ac- uh, environment, just given how talented those teams are and and Kevin Boyle's coaching style. But then you know he got to come back to North Carolina where he played with Wendell Moore and had more of kind of a, a go-to guy mentality. You know, I think Wendell was the, the alpha dog, but uh, Black had more of a, a bigger role than he would have had if he had stayed in Florida. And I think both of those different environments will will be beneficial when, once he gets to Carolina.
0: And then Kobe, let's just touch on him very briefly. At 23, you know, I think that's about where a lot of people probably projected Kobe to end up at. I think that he's probably a little bit better than that myself. I don't know if he's, though, a quite top 15 type player because, you know, he does have some areas to improve upon in his game, but you can't deny his shooting ability. And then from all that we're hearing, it really looks like Roy Williams has zeroed in on him being in the running for that starting point guard spot, which will be an interesting transition from that off ball shooting guard position. Uh, he was playing at like at the um, McDonald's All American practices and things like that.
1: Yeah, you know we've we've talked about that a lot, and I'm in the camp. I you know I wish they had had another point guard to go with him uh, just to free him up to do what he does best and score rather than try to facilitate. But definitely be interesting to see you know how that transition goes. I, I know a lot of people are uh, can argue one way or the other, but uh, in terms of being 23, you know I think it's a fair number, but I would say there's definitely players in front of them uh, say a Jalen Smith from from Baltimore that's going to Maryland or Jalen Hoard going to Wake Forest. Um, So I I think there's players ahead of them that are ranked higher just based on their maybe length um, slash potential to, to really play well down the road. But in terms of impact players, I'd say he's a top 10 guy for what he's going to do next year and just that elite scoring ability and, first step and and his ability to score the basketball so even though he's 23 you know still a five star but i'd say in terms of impact i I think he'll be a top 10 impact player next year easily
0: i definitely agree with that let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break sean and then when we get back we'll close out the podcast talking about the upcoming live evaluation period and then close it out with a a quick discussion on cam johnson's decision to return to the unc squad So we will be back right after this. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here talking with Sean Moran of Sean Mo Hoops. Uh, Sean, there's been a dead period for college basketball recruiting for a while now, but luckily that is coming to an end. And it looks like the big hub of activity is going to be in Texas, where we were discussing this a little bit off the air and you said that Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour are all going to be having events. So just as a general overview, what's going on over this weekend?
1: Yeah, so this, I mean, for me as a as a recruiting junkie, this is one of my favorite times of the year. First time uh, the coaches are allowed on the road to watch these AAU tournaments and events that have been going on, I'd say, for the last month. Uh, and I, I would also say, you know, for any... Any Carolina fan in general, they should definitely try to make it to, you know, maybe not a live period, but one of these Nike EYBL EYBL events at at some point, because it is so much fun to, to watch all these guys and just being, you know, one, being able to see them at the high school AAU level, but then kind of being able to track them down the road. And you're up seeing future pros and future great college players, but at the same time, you know, Roy Williams will walk right by or, Uh, John Calipari or some of the big name coaches um, and just kind of being that close in proximity is always kind of makes for I'd say interesting story but as far as this weekend goes uh, pretty much everything is in Dallas there's a few other Adidas events outside as they're doing more of a regional thing but Nike uh, they're going to be the main main player in AAU and, and they're having their big tournament in Irving Texas a little outside of Dallas and then under Armour is about 25 minutes south of Irving as well, and then you have Adidas, uh, which is actually over in Fort Worth. Uh, so I think that's about an hour west um, of Dallas and and where Nike is. But you know, I think really all the all the big time coaches and assistants are going to be in Dallas starting tomorrow at at I believe 5 p.m. Uh, and I'm I'm I'll be there as well. So def- definitely looking forward to you know seeing who the UNC staff is watching and to seeing what players. Uh, start to start to jump up the rankings
0: so in terms of who the UNC coaches will be there to watch if you could give me like maybe I don't know like a top five or just who do you think are the biggest names that they're going to be looking at during this time period
1: Uh, that (laughs) that's a great question and what I'm trying to uh, figure out now is I try to plan plan my schedule and I feel (laughs) usually you've kind of been able to pinpoint where coach Williams is going to go, or maybe some of the assistants. And honestly, I, I don't have any idea where they're going to go that first Friday night. Uh, I know Adidas, uh, Will Baker, who uh, is in the class of 19, uh, sorry, 2019 is playing uh, Greg Brown class of 2020, both Texas guys and Roy has been uh, really busy with, with Will Baker's recruitment over the past month. So I'm debating if if that's where they're going to end up and if I should make the trip to Fort Worth for the Adidas on Friday night. So I think Will Baker is definitely up there in that, that top five echelon. But I also think uh, Armando Bacat, kind of the big guy that Roy's really made an effort, uh, really going back into February uh, to prioritize as, as one of the bigs in the class. And I, I believe he's playing with CP3 on the Nike circuit and Wendell Moore. Uh, so I think... You know, on on Friday or Saturday, Roy will definitely be at at some of those games, which will you know a little be will make it hard to kind of see how much effort and and focus are putting in on Wendell Moore, who is playing on CP three, played on their 16s last year, and uh, was obviously a priority recruit for UNC. And then things kind of cooled off in November, and uh, you know, how hard is UNC still looking at at him as a question mark, and what other wings? are they kind of, you know, bringing into that potential offer ta- territory uh, is definitely a, a good question. And, uh, you know, there's some other players with offers such as a Vernon Carey or James Wiseman that are are not realistic shots, uh, definitely Wiseman, and maybe to a lesser extent, Vernon Carey, a, a big guy from Florida. Um, so it's really going to be interesting to me just to see who Roy uh, decides to prioritize and, each assistant has their own, you know, I'd say own method of, of watching players. Uh, Roy will definitely stay at least for a half and, and get a good viewing in Uh, whereas some of the other guys might be more just walking around, checking out the scene and, and, and watching some of the, you know, either younger guys or other guys that they have interest in, but don't have offers just to see how they're doing. And Cheryl put a great list together on the premium page of, I don't know, maybe 40 to 50 players that they could be potentially watching. So it's going to be very intriguing to me just to see uh, what their plan of attack is this weekend.
0: Yeah, that list on the basketball premium board was pretty extensive there. I think that when you're looking at the class of 2019, I see a few trends that are really emerging where it looks like Roy is trying to land a elite level post player, and then a point guard, or at least someone that's capable of handling the ball. Is that you know? Am I alone in thinking that, or have you kind of been? Or do you kind of see that emerging as well, Sean?
1: Well, you might be alone on the the point guard spot since they have uh, Jeremiah Francis, but he is out for the. He's still still injured. Uh, but I think you're dead on with the big guy uh, as as a you know. You're going to lose Luke May. And obviously they'll have at the time rising juniors and, and Manley and Brooks, but they really need to land a quality big in this class. Uh, and then I think it'll be interesting, the wing situation. I know they're looking for a, a wing guy that, as you said, can handle the ball uh, such as I think Wendell Moore was their main priority. And, and now does it stay Wendell or, or does it, does it you know venture off into to some of the other, other potential players uh, that, that fit that, that billing is it a you know a Scotty Lewis who's you know a highly ranked player or does Josh Nickelberry kind of start getting that attention or or even a Josh Green who uh has received a little UNC buzz but a guy who's Australian that's playing at IMG that uh has really been lighting up a lot of the the All-Star circuits um so yeah i think you know you're you're dead on with the big guy and mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to to
0: see what happens, well, I think as as far as like the point guard thing, I, I should have you know, been l- a little bit clarified with that. And I think, no, I, well, I, I what think, well, yeah, I think Roy just wants guys that can really handle, can the, handle ball. the ball. Yep. Yeah, and even you know Francis is, I like his his potential a lot, but I don't know. Roy really seems to enjoy having multiple guys on the court at the same time that can, you know, guard at the perimeter but at the same time run the offense. And he's always said that he wants to have multiple point guards on scholarship at the same time, but if you're looking at the roster makeup, you know, if even assuming, well, and I think the the expectation is that Kobe White will be around for his sophomore year, but still, that's only going to leave Kobe and Francis and you know, if the Kobe at point guard experiment doesn't really work out. I mean, who's to say, you know, that Roy may not make adjustments for that in that 2019 class?
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, I think the more ball handlers, the better. And I, I feel like over the past, you know, with, with Barry and uh, some of the, you know, looking at Kobe and, and sliding him at the point guard where maybe you don't need that Kendall Marshall or Raymond Felton or, or Taiwan Ty Lawson type. And as long as you have, a uh, good ball handler that can ideally guard, you know, two positions um, that that will be what he's looking for. And, you know, all you have to do is really go to the, what Villanova is doing uh, when they beat UNC in the championship, you know, they had Brunson and RJ Diakono. So they were basically playing two point guards or two ball handlers. And same thing with what Kansas has been doing the past few years. So no, I definitely agree that he wants uh versatility from you know, he doesn't 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 just want a stand sole shooter, but he needs somebody that can handle the ball and fill in for a point guard. We all remember what happened back in two thousand twelve when uh Kendall got hurt and Dexter was already hurt and Stillman White was the starting point guard in the Elite Eight game. So I think uh, you know, always want to have ball handlers and shooters.
0: Yeah, definitely. Let's go ahead and then and finish the the podcast off, Sean, with a quick talk about Cam Johnson, he made his announcement that he will be coming back to the team. And for those that were kind of, you know, paying attention, maybe reading between the lines a little bit, I don't think this was too big of a shock at this point in time. I think if you had told Carolina fans at the beginning of this past season that Cam would be coming back, they would be surprised. But after hearing his comments since the close of of this basketball year, Um, He really seemed like he enjoyed his time at at Carolina, but what do you think he is going to look like now that he will be returning for a second year under Roy Williams? And what are your expectations for him?
1: Sure. Uh, Yeah, I think, you know, one of the podcasts during the year, you know, I think I kind of assumed that he was gone just given his age right now and what it will be next year. And I know, uh, certain NBA teams had definitely been trying to dig into his background a little bit more during right. the year in case that he he did go pro. But, you know, as as time went on and then, you know, re- we saw the injury, it kind of became apparent that he would be coming back to school. And I, I think it's a, you know, a huge, it's a huge return for the Carolina program, just getting him for one more year because he was hurt a little, you know, during the year and only, only played 26 of the possible games so really getting him him healthy and and as kind of one of the go-to guys this season will be enjoyable to watch uh you know for cam he definitely had a good year you look at his his efficiency metrics and i think he had he had the second best offensive rating in in the whole acc during conference play of 125.7 but at the same time you came in thinking of cam as a shooter and he shot almost 42 percent from three at pittsburgh and he came in and Every shot that he took, to me at least, looked good just because he has such a pure form. But he only hit 34% of his outside shots, and you know he he kind of took a it was a pretty good distribution of equal on the left and right wing. He's a little bit better on the left wing, shooting about 37%, but was pretty poor at the top of the key uh, is going seven of 22 for the year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a rise in his shooting numbers and ideally get back to that 40% kind of potentially similar to what, what Justin Jackson did. I don't think to the such a large extent since Justin wasn't shooting that well as, as a sophomore, but I would definitely wouldn't be surprised to see a jump in his three point percentage, just as he is now more comfortable in the system and more comfortable with his teammates. So I think definitely a big addition and, and should help the team immensely next year alongside of Kenny and, and Luke and Kobe and and
0: Naz as well. All right. So you are now coach William, Sean, it's the start (laughs) of next season. Assuming everyone on the roster is healthy. Who is your starting five and who are your first players coming off the bench? All right. I'm going,
1: uh, let's see, Kobe, Kobe at the one, uh, Kenny, at the two, and then I'm going with Naz, Cam, and Luke May. Uh, so that puts May back at the you know the center spot, which I think presents some some mismatches on the offensive end, but as we saw, can definitely give up give up a lot of size on the defensive end. So coming off the bench, uh, I think you know I could see Leahy getting you know probably not maybe playing early on, but definitely getting some spot minutes at the guard spot. And then, you know, really it's uh, hoping Sterling Manley makes that potential jump that a lot of people are expecting. Um, And at the same time, Garrison Brooks. And, you know, I know this year is kind of, all right, let's see, let's see how how they do in the first half. And then whoever plays better kind of gets the second half playing time. But I'm really hoping that we'll see a more consistent effort um, out of both of, both of those guys. And then, uh, you know, you'll have, you know, seventh, uh, coming off the bench, hopefully healthy and, and kind of getting a good, uh, off season. in, And then you'll have, uh, you know, maybe Andrew Playtech coming off for, for spot minutes as well. And I've always, uh, you know, kind of been, I've been a Brandon Robinson fan and I think he has potential, but once again, it's going to be crowded for him to get minutes. So I think he could ideally be that, that top, you know, sixth man coming off the bench or seventh man for the for the wings, but he'll definitely need to get more consistent. But overall, I think a, a pretty deep team right off the bat, and some good, you know, senior leadership with with Luke and Kenny and and Cam, uh, especially just going back to the recruiting cycle when that class was rated pretty pretty poorly, and everybody was a little disappointed in in the outcome of the that specific class.
0: History will look favorably upon those guys and they have developed i think in ways have far exceeded what any carolina fan could realistically expect but sean i really appreciate you you coming on here and talking with me man uh what's coming up on your podcast any big news or is it just all about this uh open evaluation period that's coming up
1: yeah just all about the open evaluation period uh looking forward to hopefully coming back on with you and and kind of talking about what i saw and what i watched but uh, should be pretty active on the message boards this week and hopefully uh, pumping out some, some good uh, good articles on, on the players that the staff has been watching.
0: Yeah, man, we'll definitely get you on next week to recap everything, uh, but do appreciate it, Sean. And until we talk again, everyone out there, we'll talk with you again soon.
1: Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.